Hey, this is Pastor Jeremy from Awakened Church here in Sebring, Florida. I hope you enjoy this week's message. Everybody okay? All right. Thank you so much for your worship. Thank you for engaging. Um, yeah, thanks to, thanks Barry for, see yesterday Barry called me and said, hey, I got a word to share in the beginning of worship and it was just how God put it together that I was already thinking about having him come and, and lead in prayer or something. So yeah, guys, thank you. How about a hand for the teens? Let's, let's give a hand for our teens. Yeah. Um, I do just want to tell you really quick that um, I know I mentioned last week uh, about the theater and B&B closing. So I just want to, I just want to say that um, we are praying about next steps. We are praying about um, what God would have us to do. There are a couple different options uh, in front of us. And so I just want you to pray about it. Um, as soon as I know something concrete, I'm going to tell you. Shake your head like this. Yeah, I'll tell you, all right? So um, there's no need to worry, no need to panic. Jeremy, there's no need to worry, no need to panic, all right? <laughs> so, uh, but this is what we do, man. Um, we're gonna pray uh, because prayer is the plan is our first, our first value. You guys remember that? Yeah, yeah, prayer is the plan. This is what we do. So here's the deal. I'm gonna hit on the same parable that I talked taught about last week the same parable. And so the way I want to start this off is by telling you about our very first garden as a family, our very first garden. There was, when I pastored in Ohio, there was an amazing uh, guy in Salina and the boys will know about it and my kids uh, who this is. There was an amazing guy named Bill that he wanted us to have a garden more than I wanted a garden. (laughs) He was, it was like his life's dream for us to have a beautiful, flourishing garden. And so the house that we were renting in Ohio, it had a huge backyard, it had like a, a hill, and then it kind of uh, it leveled out towards the bottom. And we just, that's actually the reason why we rented the house for as long as we did is because I just loved the backyard. And then it had a creek and some woods beside it. And the kids loved being there. But so, so Bill came over and he was like, yeah, I think this part towards the bottom of your yard or where it levels out, I think that's going to be a good place for your garden. And I was like, all right, if you say so. I mean, I know I'm from West Virginia, but I just didn't have any gardening skills. I didn't, you know, I just didn't, <laughs> I just didn't do it. I know you're, you're shocked about that. You know, because when you shake my hand, I have so many calluses. You're like, man, that guy works hard. Okay, let's move on. All right, so anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so... So Bill, Bill picked out the perfect spot and he's like, well, I'm going to come over with my rototiller. He probably said it more like this, rototiller. I'm going to come over with my rototiller and I'm going to till up this land. And so, you know, whenever you, the time to do that in Ohio is the spring because you get some early rains to soften up the hard ground that winter has left. Uh, the cold, the freezing, the rain, like it's just, the, the ground is hard. We don't know a lot about that in Florida, so I'm just educating you guys, all right? The ground is, is hard in the wintertime, all the freezing, it's hard. If you fall on it, it's like a rock. And so in the springtime, after some early rains, um, uh, that ground will soften up a little bit. And so Bill was like, well, you know, right now is the best time to come. And so he comes with his rototiller. And this, this, if you don't know what a rototiller is, it's this machine that has blades on it that goes through the hard ground. And it's like, 
got to make that sound sound effect too. It just goes. It doesn't really sound like a machine gun, but anyways, that's what it does. It it tills up the hard ground. Why does it till up the hard ground? Well, because you got it. You can't plant the seed in that very hard ground that winter has left. You can't plant the seeds for the garden in that hard ground. So what the rototiller will do is it will till, it tills up the soil. And then the kids and I and Melvina, we would actually be beside it because when it tills up the ground, then all these rocks come up too. And it's all these things that you don't want in the garden. So we're like, get out of here, rocks, get out of here, rocks. And so we're getting out these big rocks and, and putting them on the side. And then we would, we would try to um, uh, do something else with those rocks that we, that we found that the rototiller revealed. And so... All this was part of it. All this was part of it. Getting out the rocks. And then Melvina was, was very diligent in finding those seeds for the garden. And, and so what we would do then is we would plant those seeds. And it was like, it was amazing because we had never done this before. You guys remember the first time we planted the garden? Like we, we planted those seeds and then we're like... Like, you know, you're just hoping that, it, that something happens, something good happens, right? Like, you can't see it. Once you put it under the, the dirt, you can't see what's going on. So you're just really hoping, really trusting that that, that, that seed is going to sprout. And whenever we first saw those plants, those, those, those tiny seeds sprout, we we're like, what? We got a garden, like we got some real plants that just sprung up from this garden. You know, and Bill knew the exact way that everything needed to happen. Like he knew the sunlight that needed to shine on there. Like he knew, he knew it was going to get plenty of rain whenever, water whenever it rained in that location. And so he knew all the ins and outs of gardening. So as a family, we were interdependent on Bill and his gardening skills. Because we had no idea how to garden. We were interdependent upon God because without it raining, we would have no sprouts. We were interdependent upon God because without the sunlight, the plants would not receive the food that they need, right? So this is, this is, this is a relationship of interdependence. And here's what I want to let you know right from the, the onset this, today of the message. Some of us have gone through harsh winters, and the Lord was sharing this with me this morning. Some of you and some of us have gone through like, like some hard seasons in our lives, some harsh winters where the ground has become so hardened. For some of us, it's just what's happened to us has, has left our hearts hardened. And maybe we've adopted, adopted a, uh, an, an attitude or, or we have unforgiveness in our hearts. And that's like the harsh winter, the harsh ground, the hard ground that Bill was tilling up in that first garden. Others of it's, it's because of decisions and choices that we've made that have allowed our hearts to grow so hard. And just like that rototiller that came and, and tilled up those rocks, like, like I want to let you know that Jesus came to remove sin in our hearts. The rocks in our hearts, he came to remove it. Whenever John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. 
And some of us might think that like we've done a lot of good things and that we're probably like that our good outweighs our bad and that doesn't matter in the eyes of God. You see, without having his grace applied to our life, without putting our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ for what he's done in our life, even the best things that we do are still dirty. And so he's not looking at you saying, oh, you came to church this week? Great, it's gonna kind of cancel out that rock in the garden. He's like, no, I sent my word like a hammer to break up that fallow ground. And Hosea, the prophet Hosea would even say, "Um, it's time to seek the Lord, to break up the, the fallow ground, right? Until the Lord comes and he rains rightness or righteousness on us. And so this is the work that I believe that the Lord is wanting to do in our hearts today. He's wanting to remove some rocks. He's wanting to remove some rocks in our heart. He's wanting to remove some sins of unbelief. And it's not just for the teens. I wanted them to come up here front because I wanted them engaged today with the message and what God was doing in this room. But it's for all of us in this room. What, what, what rocks have you allowed to stay in your garden and you're still hoping that something, some sort of life springs up? He doesn't want it that way. There's something so much better than being bitter. There's something so much better than allowing these things to continue to be in the garden of our heart that God wants there to be such tremendous growth. You see, we, he's depend, interdependent upon us for that action because unless we confess our sins to him, He's not going to forgive us and cleanse us and get rid of those rocks. Does that make sense? See, he, his Holy Spirit will convict us and let us know, hey, a rock right there, <laughs> there's a rock. But unless we come into agreement then and we're like, oh yeah, rock, Jesus, I confess that rock to you. Come and take that rock away. Forgive me of that rock. Forgive me of that sin. For some of us, it's a sin of unbelief. The, the, the reason that, that, that we're not going any further or you're not seeing the things that God do, the things that you want him to do, and you're not seeing him do the things that you're believing him for. For some of us, it's the sin of unbelief. See, we live in these, we live in sort of a, um, a false reality, if you will, because it's like, I, I can think that, that my relationship with, with my wife will be okay, even though there's rocks there. I could, I could think that my relationship with my wife will be okay, even, though I, even if I talk to her harshly, even if I fail to put her in front of me, well, it's okay. <laughs> We're still together, we're staying together for the kids. Jesus is like, no, I want to take those rocks out of your marriage, Jeremy. I want your love, as we heard this message preached by the guy, it was the message that kind of sparked, that God used to spark the Asbury revival. It was a message all on love. 
How, and, and how the love does not seek, seek, love doesn't seek my own interest, but it prefers others. Like, how often do I do that? And if my love isn't preferring someone else over myself, it's not love. You may say you love me, but if you're preferring yourself over, over me, you're not loving. Because what is agape love? Agape love, in the literal definition, means that God preferred you. It's God's preference for you and for me. If I say I love my wife and I'm allowing there to be rocks there, thinking that it's going to be okay, I don't love her. I'm preferring myself and my own pride. Amen? If I say I love you and I'm allowing there to be rocks in that relationship, I don't really love you. I'm just going along and trying to achieve some sort of unity, which that's not even what God wants. He wants there to be oneness in us. All right, he wants us to be one because he said, Father, I pray that they are one just like you and I are one. He wants to not, and not only in our marriage, but as a body, can you, this is hard for us to even comprehend that we could be one as a body, that our love could be one. And check it out, this is not even possible without Holy Spirit saying, here's your rocks, Jeremy. Here's your rocks in your relationship with your children. Here's your rocks in your relationship with your congregation. Here's your rocks. Remove the rocks. Otherwise, I'm just trying to, the rototiller has has plowed up all these rocks, and I'm like, hey, here, here comes some, some seed. I'll just throw some seed there. But they'll never have root. They'll never grow in a rocky garden. The grace of God is this, that he'll allow you to continue. He'll allow me to continue. Sometimes he sends these divine interruptions, right? We talked about last week. Hey, rock. <laughs> But he doesn't want there to be any rocks in your relationship. And I'm not, this is not like a a pie in the sky sort of dreamy message, guys. It's the truth. Jesus either came to remove sin or else he didn't. Remove it, get it out of here. He either came to do it or he didn't. He either died for my sins and your sins or else he didn't. And I'm just going to believe that he died for my sin so that I don't have to struggle with it anymore. So I don't have to have it in my garden anymore. That he took it upon himself, laid on his shoulder so that as I put my faith and trust in that cross and what he did on the cross by shedding his blood for that very sin, my very faith in his action makes me whole and complete. This is the gospel. When we first started out this, this church, we, um, we had this little white book called Natural Church Development. Anybody in the room, I remember this white book, just wave at me. Yeah, one, two, three, four, yeah, a few of you. And this whole, this whole book, the premise of this book is that, um, the, and we're gonna read about it in the parable here, but it's that the kingdom of God grows naturally. The kingdom of God grows naturally. This is not a book on methodology. If you do this, your church will be successful. 
It's not a book on copy and elevation church or Christ for all nations church or Jesus image church. It's not a book on copying ministry so you can have success. It's not a book on copying grace Bible church so we can be a bigger church. This is a book on being a healthy church because when we're a healthy church, then there can be quantity, but it's always quality over quantity. It doesn't always feel that good, right? Because it feels good and there's a lot of energy in the room whenever you go into a larger church and it's fine. I love larger churches. I love them. I love them. I love them. But God's heart was never to just pack a room. God's heart is that he wants to pack our hearts, (laughs) right? He wants us to be healthy, man. He wants your relationships with one another, teenagers, adults in the room. He wants our relationships with one another to be healthy. Because, and he, he wants your own heart to be healthy. You, you know what? You are the church. You understand that? You are the church. I'm going to send out a survey here, here in a couple weeks. And you know what the survey is going to be about? It's going to be all about you and how healthy you are. Because you know why? You are the church. You can tell me your preferences and what you want Awaken Church to be and your opinions, and those are wonderful. But listen, we all have different preferences. The key is, 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 are, is, are you and me healthy as a member of the body of Christ? Because Paul would tell us in the book of Corinthians, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So it's all about how, am I healthy? Are you healthy? We're not putting on a show. We're not doing small groups to just have, have stuff to do. Man, I want to I wanna see my family healthy. I want to see your family healthy or else we will shut the doors. Yeah? We okay? Shake your head like this so we know. All right, yeah, okay. So, in this, in this book of natural church development, I'm going to go through this really quick. There are these eight characteristics. These are, these are what natural church development would say are the eight characteristics of a life-giving church. Right? And so all of these things are, we can look at them, we'd be like, yeah, yeah, passionate spirituality. I love it, man. I'm very passionate. Inspiring worship service. Yeah, I can remember I had some of those or we have some of those. And all these things, we could probably go down the list and we're like, man, yeah, these are awesome. But check it out. When we first started, one of the things that we talked about was, was how in our life we can have this cart with square wheels, and we're trying to push this cart, man, and we can have as many people. This, this picture has two people on this cart, and it has square wheels. Anybody remember this in the room? Remember when I showed it in the backyard? All right. So, so we, we talked about this, how our marriage can even be like this, <laughs> It can be like we're trying to push this cart and we're like, what's going on? I can't, I can't get this thing rolling. We're having issues. I don't know what's happening. But the cart has square wheels when all along everything that it needs is inside the cart. Right? These, these wheels were inside the cart all along. You just had to discover what those, what those, what those round wheels were. In the body of Christ, there's everything that we need to be healthy because the kingdom of God is like this. It's like a man plants a seed in the ground, he goes to sleep, rises the next day, goes to sleep, rises, and the thing grows, the seed grows all by itself. Right? There's this relationship of interdependence that that seed has with its environment. 
A relationship of interdependence, meaning that seed depends on the soil around it. That seed depends on the water coming from the, the, the sky. That seed depends on the sunlight and then the plant within itself, how it, how it works in the, in, interdependently and in transforming the, the sunlight to what it needs. Like This is a very interdependent relationship. And so if you're trying to push a cart by yourself, <laughs> it's not going to work. Right? We were never meant to be isolated, even if you're with somebody else and you, you and your wife or you and a friend, you're trying to push this cart and you're like, it's just not moving. What can I do in this relationship? Or what can I do in my family? It's not going to work with square wheels. Or, well, you can. You're just going to get really tired and here's where burnout happens. Right? This is why we get tired. This is why we get depressed. This is why we get over anxious. When God has designed you and me to be like the, the, the cart with the round wheels, with the wind of the Holy Spirit behind our back, dr- leading us and driving us, driving our marriage. Wouldn't you like to see that, man? In your marriage, like the wind of the Holy Spirit just blowing you and your spouse and your family along? Wouldn't you like to see this in your relationships with your friends? Like it's no longer bickering back and forth. It's no longer like, like just some friend wanting, wanting more than or wanting to get something over on you and trying to manipulate you. What if your friend's network looked like this? Like you guys were all going in the same direction with the wind of the Holy Spirit pushing you? What if this church was like that? Like we weren't pulling in opposite directions. I wasn't saying, well, I need this or I need that or Pastor Jeremy didn't call me this week or whatever. But what if like we were all, like we were all had the same desire for the wheels to be on the cart and the wind of the Holy Spirit to be at our back. Like I want to desperately, Jeremy, discover what those wheels are because I need to get going in my life. It's not too late for you. And it's not too late for me. It's not too late for this church. It's not too late for Highlands County. It's not too late for wherever you're watching from today. And I'm trying not to get screamy, but it's not too late. It's not too late for your children. He doesn't want this constant struggle. Yes, it's going to be a battle, but check it out. We serve the King of Kings and the the victor, right? The one who has victory and his name is victory. <laughs> and this is what he wants for us. He wants it for our business. He wants to breathe on us. But it doesn't happen by our own, our own means. It only happens in this relationship of interdependence. Right? Where our hearts become a wonderful, healthy environment where the seed of God can grow. Does that make any sense? Like that your heart becomes like Bill's garden in my backyard. Because that's really what it was. He loved that garden more than me. <laughs> what, if, what if we just believe that about our life, man? Like, you know, God, <laughs> you know, God loves you. Right? Like you love him only because he first loved you. And he loves that garden of your heart with all the rocks in it with all the nastiness in it, with all the stuff nobody sees but him. He loves that rocky heart. (laughs) You know that? He loves the rocky heart. He loves your rocky heart. 
And he loves your spouse's rocky heart. He loves your children's rocky heart. He loves this world's rocky heart. He's just like, look, here it is. This can't be there and it still be healthy. He loves you. And this is what he's trying to show us. There's these interdependence and then there's these six, they're called biotic principles or life-giving principles that, that sustain and move those other characteristics that I listed. There's not gonna be a quiz, but this is just simply an introduction into this, this principle of interdependence. And if we don't get this, we're not going to allow the seeds that God is sowing in our heart to grow. If we don't get this first principle of interdependence, this will not happen. That God definitely wants to grow your faith, right? Listen, God definitely wants to grow your faith. God definitely wants to grow your relationship with him. God wants to grow your business. God wants to grow your marriage. God wants all these things to grow that are important to you and that are important to the kingdom. He wants them all to grow. But what he wants you to know is that there's this relationship of interdependence where these seeds have to be in a good environment. So what's this mean? Does this mean like, oh, well, Jeremy, I got to confess all my rocks? Well, yeah, you confess all the rocks that you know. And then as you go along, there's going to be more rocks you find, and you're going to confess that rock, right? And as you go along, there's going to be more rocks that you're like, oh, I didn't even know that one was there. Oh, man, I got to confess that bitter attitude. I didn't even know that was there. All these rocks. You follow me? So the Asbury revival that's been going on and. um there's been this relationship of interdependence. And what I've loved seeing is that the older generations and the younger generations are working together in this relationship of interdependence. That it's not just like, like, Jeremy, you're the professional minister, go get him. (laughs) No, it's been this relationship of interdependence of people that were untrained, Un, like unschooled, working with other leaders to help sustain and, and, and stoke the fire, right? This has been interdependence. That's why I put that picture up there because you have people kneeling at the altar, you have people behind them, you have people on stage, you have all these things, the relationship of interdependence, that's what this is all about. I need your prayers, you need my prayer. I need you to check on me just like you need me to check on you. You can't expect the pastor to do all the check-in. Is that too real for a Sunday morning? You gotta check on, if you need help, tell me. (laughs) Tell me you love me, all right? If If you need something, sometimes I need you to tell me. If I need you, I gotta open my mouth and I gotta tell you, right? It'd be, it's wonderful, and I, I hope that I can hear God more and that he tells me. And sometimes he brings some of you to my mind. Some of you, sometimes he brings people online to my mind. Sometimes he brings people to mind, and I'll pray, or he works things out like that. But sometimes we just need to talk to each other. Hey, Jeremy, I need you. Hey, Barry, I need you. This is a relationship of interdependence. I am not, the arm can't say to the leg, I don't need you. If you're living in isolation, you're not living in a kingdom lifestyle. And your garden, what's been planted in your garden will never grow. You need, you need the body to grow. <laughs> Amen? 
All right, so check this out. This is the parable I've been talking about. The kingdom of God, and he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. You remember this one from last week, anybody? Okay, so here it is. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. That's what we're gonna just take a, take a little bite of right now. So we're all scattering something. Did you know that? We're all scattering something. Um, in your marriage, you're scattering something. <laughs> Some of you are scattering um, uh, uh, negativity and even uh, uh, um, hate by the words that you scatter to one another, right? In your relationships with others, you're scattering something. You're scattering negativity or positivity. You're scattering belief or disbelief. You're scattering love or you're scattering hate, right? So we're scattering something with our words, whether or not we believe it or not. Kids, you're scattering something. Teens, in your relationship, you're scattering obedience or disobedience to your parents. Hello. <laughs> All right. I just had to throw that one in there. But seriously, like I'm either scattering love or I'm scattering hate to my children. Yeah. I'm, I'm scattering. We are all scattering something. We are scattering seeds. No matter if we want to believe it or not, we're scattering. When you come in here, you're scattering something. You walk in faith, you're scattering something. You walk in here in doubt, you're scattering something. Now, I'm not saying that everybody has to come in perfectly, but just the fact that we have to know that we're scattering something. Right? Like Barry was talking about today. If, you're, if you kind of just enter in here and you're like, oh, I hope God's presence moves me today, but you're not trying to engage... <laughs> You know, good luck. Good luck. Right? Benny gets here most, most mornings before me. He's scattering something. He's scattering commitment. He's scattering love for this. And love, guys, I don't know if you know, but this tech team, they scatter something. They're scattering something literally that has the potential to go all over the world, the, the seeds that are, that are going forth. Amen? And they have. Like, people have been healed watching the live stream. <laughs> it's amazing. The worship team is scattering something every time you get up here, or not only when you're here, but you're scattering. We are all scattering something. We just have to make sure that what we're scattering is good. Amen? We good? We have to make sure what we're scattering is good. What we're scattering, it's like we have to let go in order to see, there, see any growth, right? We're scattering something like the sower who sows, he's scattering seed. Some of us are just holding on to the rocks in our life, to the hurts, to the pains. We're just holding on to so much. When Jesus wants us to just let those go. Because the Bible also says this, is that those who sow in tears will reap in joy. So as you let go of these hurts, these pains, as you let them go to God with tears 
or with a, with a sincerity. Maybe, maybe you're not a crier and that's okay. But as you let them go, that becomes a seed from which can come God's growth. You need to sow in repentance and you reap eternal life, right? You could, but you got to let that go like a seed into the ground. You got to be willing to let it go. I got to be willing to go to my wife and say, I'm sorry. Got to let that go. I got to be willing to go to my children and say, I'm sorry. And to let it go because when that seed, check it out, when that seed goes in the ground, guys, there has, there's unlimited potential now because now you have a relationship of interdependence with that seed that's in the ground. It has unlimited potential. Teens in the room, some of you need to say you're sorry to your parents. I know my kids are in the room and I'm not saying that to, just to them, but this is for everybody. Some of you need this, this sort of repentance is what, is what is, this is the seed of revival. And revival is not just goosebumps and electric feelings and spontaneous this and that, guys. Revival is, li- is, is, is life coming to the church, healthiness coming to the church. But it's going to start with these, letting go, this, 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 these seeds of repentance, these seeds of tears. There's these rocks that have to come out. You follow me? All right. So it says, and he sleeps and he rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how the earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And so here's what just popped out to me from that is that the kingdom of God grows within our normal cycles and our normal rhythms. Like God designed night and day, amen? God designed the seasons that we go through. He designed them and the, 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 the kingdom of God grows in those seasons, in those times. But some of us, were waiting for a better season, right? We're waiting for just the right time. If I can just get the right time, I'll tell my wife this. If I can just get, like, the, the, the timing's got to be right for everything. And so it's like, it's like we're, we're waiting for so much, but check it out. Like, like the, the, the kingdom of God grows within our natural seasons, within our natural rhythm. So all you got to do is let it grow. Let it grow. Let it grow. I'm not saying the best time to talk to your spouse is late at night before you go to bed. I'm not saying that. Right? I'm saying stop, stop waiting and making so many excuses. Like my life is just so busy. I just, it just doesn't hit the rhythm of my life to really talk to my parents or talk to my spouse or talk to someone else in the church. Like, man, stop it. The kingdom of God grows when you sleep, when you rise. Like the kingdom, this is how the kingdom of God grows. He, he invented, he designed these cycles of our life. He designed it. And in fact, this this, this relationship of interdependence that all living things have, right? The the plants are dependent on the sun, but if they get too much sun, (laughs) it'll scorch them, right? Plants are dependent on the rain, but if they get too much rain, it'll drown them. We saw this time after time, especially when we lived in Ohio. 
We'll let you know that God is just so deeply concerned and he loves your garden. And he's designed the times and seasons of your life right now where you are so that the seeds can grow. Just yield to him. Just yield to him. And I wanted to pick out first two, is that you see in the, on the screen it says there has to be a first before there's a then because there's like first, what, what does it say? By itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And every farmer would love to just like <laughs> supernaturally see the, 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 the full grain, the, the full ear of corn, right? Right, just supernatural. Like you just go out one day, and it's like, bam, there it is. <laughs> but there has to be a first, and then there's a then. Right? Has to be a first, and then there's a then. What is your first today? What is the first thing you need to do as a result of hearing this message? What's the first thing you need to do? What's the first seed that you need to let go of? What's the first thing you need to repent of? What's the first thing that you need to give attention to? What is the first thing that that you and I need to do as a result of hearing this word? What's the first? Because you want to see the then, but you will not see the then until you do the first. It's a good point, Jeremy. I know it. It was a great point. There's a first, and then there's a then. You have to experience God's love before you can give God's love first. You hear me first? I can't love my neighbors until I experience the love of God first. What does that look like? You yield to him when he's moving on you. You experience his love. That's what this Asbury revival was all about. It was about experiencing the love of God. And you know what they want to do now? They're calling people to go forth now. If you've experienced the love of God, go show it. (laughs) Right? Like it's not, we're not called to be this holy huddle. This is what all great revivals, all moves of God have done in history. They've created a great missionary movement. You've experienced the love, now go show it. I heard a professor say, you go unless he says no. Well, I don't know. You just, (laughs) you go show his love because you've experienced his love. That's what it is. Check it out. I'm going to be done here in a sec. This is my next to last to last to last slide. Just kidding. Maybe. All right. (laughs) But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So fruit is always held in fellowship with the harvester. Once you know that. Fruit is always held in fellowship with the harvester. That word has come or that phrase has come means to bring near, to bring into fellowship or stand by. If you get on the keys for me, Jazz, please. Um, fellowship with The Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit is always the goal, right? Fellowship with the Father, with the Son, 
with the Holy Spirit is always the goal. Um, the farmers that I knew that went to our church that we pastored in Ohio, they knew their fields. They tested their soil. And while they were waiting for it to grow, a lot of times people may think that farmers, after they plant the seed and, you know, they're just like, waiting for it to grow. No, they were busy working on their equipment, getting ready. Maybe they're going to spray later on, whatever it is. But like there was deep fellowship with that harvest. So the harvest, the fruit is always meant to be held in fellowship. In other words, God isn't looking for you to be a robot who just shoots off fruit, Right? And check this out. The problems in our life is, are not going to be solved by technocratic or, or, or technological means, right? Because we were never designed to be robots, right? We were, my, we were, we were created as living beings to be interdependent. I need you, you need me. And we need God and God doesn't need us but he wants us and he chooses to use us if we will yield to him, right? He's chosen, it's the greatest mystery. Are you saying that God will not uh, supersede me and, and, and get the rocks out of my garden for me? That's exactly what I'm saying. He's chosen to use you in cooperation. Or else 1 John 1, 9 would not say, confess, confess your sins. Um, what is it? Yeah. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins and, and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He takes your confession. Can you imagine the God who breathed the whole world into existence? He says, I'm waiting for the confession of Craig, of Sylvia, of Jerry, of Barry, of Nancy, of Toby, of Leilani, of Josiah, of Reynaldo, of Dante, of Shira, of Jasmine, of Selena. You're wondering if I'm gonna to get to your name. Probably not, but anyways, he's waiting on our confession. I agree with that rock. Like how could we ever think that our actions do not affect others? This is a very, it's a prideful view of ourselves. I do what I want and I hope I'm good enough to make it to heaven. And if anybody doesn't like it, well, I'm independent anyway. And this is not how we were created to live. A church is only like, you know, two hours on a Sunday. but it matters that you're here. I want to tell you, it matters that you're here. Amen? Yeah. This is not a condemnation or a guilt trip, but it matters that you're here. When you're not here, something is missing. I want you to know this. When you're not here, something is missing. You believe it? Because you are a vital part of the body of Christ. You are part of his body. individually members of it.
I wanna create some space for just a few moments here. For some confession time. For some sowing in tears and repentance time. create some space. Jasmine's going to sing this, sing this song, sing you gave. And everybody stand. Every head bowed, every head bowed. What if, what if God wants to do something so profound in you right now? If there's someone near you that you need to say you're sorry to, go ahead and tell them you're sorry. Go ahead. If there's a spouse in the room, if there's a friend, if there's a parent, if there's somebody you need to say sorry to, you've sinned against somebody, go ahead and tell them you're sorry. Anybody like that, go to them now. Do it quickly. Do it quickly. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. If you've been irritable, I've been irritable. Are you resentful this morning? Maybe you resent someone or something. Confess it. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Have you rejoiced at somebody getting what they deserve or rejoiced in some sort of wrong? but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This is the type of love that God wants to birth in our hearts.
want to open up the front as well. If there's anyone in the next few moments, just for a few moments, if there's anyone who wants to come forward and pray about rocks in your relationship, about hurts, pains, anything that I've mentioned here, your love has not been like that description of love. I want to open this up here. You can come and stand up front. You can kneel. Whatever it is, but sometimes it just takes some movement. In my life, it's always taken movement. Movement towards what God is doing. Anybody like that in the room? This has not been a manipulative message. It's not been built on my passion. This is the word of God for the people of God. We have our prayer prayer team, those who who can pray, who want to pray. Anybody like that? Come on, guys. Younger, older. You want your love? You want to love like Jesus. You want to love like Jesus. Come on, guys. You want to love like Jesus. He is in the movement. He is in the movement towards him. Anybody like that? This is not, I'm not twisting your arm, but if you sense a need in your heart, come. Now. Now come. Now. I don't know what, I don't know if God is speaking to me. Your heart is beating fast. You're wondering what people will say. God is speaking. Jeff Ellsworth, come. Jeff Ellsworth, come. Anybody else in the room? Yeah, that's the joy of the Lord. That's what that is. It's a joy. Those who sow in tears reap in joy. Those who sow in tears reap in joy. Okay? This is what I want everybody, if you're not up here, which there's still room, I want you to... I want you to be praying. Sylvia, can we, you can come and, and pray for the, the, the youth up here. Come. Yeah. Yeah. If you must leave, you can leave, but I want you to leave quietly. Otherwise, we're praying for people and Jasmine is playing. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message. Please subscribe to our podcast and share it with a friend. And if you're ever in the Sebring, Florida area, make sure to come check us out at B&B Theaters every Sunday morning at 10 a.m.